Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. It takes Mondays to make Fridays. What does that mean to you? Does that mean anything at all to you? It means a lot to me. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you, it's, you have to go through bad to get some good in your life. Well, maybe you don't have to. Maybe some people are just blessed with good their entire life. I don't know. But I know this. You can't get to that wonderful weekend outlook where you get to relax and enjoy everything and forget about the past week without going through that week. I always see these memes about it's Monday and Monday sucks and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, man, but think about what's to come. Think about all the good that's coming your way. And I got to tell you, man, I, I made a, I made a post on social media yesterday and it made me sit back and reflect. I'm proud to say that post-traumatic purpose, the course that I teach is now going international. And I've had a lot of interest from other countries, uh, Australia to be to be specific, um, Ireland and the UK. And now we just actually booked two dates in Canada, Calgary, Alberta and uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I'm, I'm, I'm beside myself with excitement because when I started comedy years ago, my main goal was to be able to say, I, I, I did comedy internationally. I was able to tour to other countries. And thinking about it, it was a long shot. It's very, very hard to get booked as a paid professional comedian at a normal comedy club, let alone be paid to go overseas into other countries. I mean, that doesn't, it's not easy. It is. It is very hard. I know people that have been in that business 30 years who have never gotten to do that. But when I started doing comedy, I, I was like, man, I, I want to be able to work hard enough to where I can go internationally with it. And I'm not trying to say I'm trying to be, was trying to be an international sensation, but I wanted it to be able, I wanted to be able to just accomplish that goal. And I was able to do that with comedy. Well, as of yesterday, I'm now able to do that with post-traumatic purpose and I'm beside myself with pride because I know how hard I work at this thing. And, and, and it's from, 
I guess what I, what it is is I'm humbled to be able to do what I am passionate about doing, and I'm humbled that other countries want to be a part of that. And now knowing that I get to cross the border and talk with other first responders and their families about something that once was not okay to talk about, and it's still not okay to talk about in, in some places. We're making headway, and we're doing it together, and I'm proud of it. And 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 I got to say thank you to everybody out there that that supports what I do and why I do it. Because without you, without the support, and without the openness, and without you welcoming me and my message and what I do, there would be no me. There would be no post-traumatic purpose. You know, this was very hard for me to get into many years ago when I started because it was not a very popular thing to do. And it was frowned upon. And the good old boys actually... They talked shit. They ran their mouth about it and all this and that. But I stayed the course because I knew it was right. And I got something else I want to say. And the reason I'm going to lead into this is because of this. My second book is coming. Um, I've been sitting on the second book for about two years now. So my first book, Create Your Own Light, came out May 25th of 2020. Or excuse me, in 2021. Or 2020. May 5th. Fuck. May 25th of 2020. And we just hit the two-year anniversary, and that book has done very well thanks to you all. And I want to write a second book because that book ended with me doing comedy and the things I was passionate about, and it started talking about me just kind of really getting into the post-traumatic purpose side of things. Well, a lot has happened in two years that I want to write about, and I want to talk about, and I want to tell the story, and I want to talk about the adversity and... That's why I decided I'm going to go ahead and commit fully to this book. And I don't know when it'll be ready, but I'm hoping it'll be around a 200 pager. My first one was around 360 something pages. I don't want this one to be that long. I want it to be 200 pages on the last several years of, of this thing. And I'm excited. I'm excited about that. The reason, the reason I tell you all of this is because I think about people often. I'm a deep thinker and I think about how many people don't follow their dreams because of what other people may say or what other people may think. I was on the treadmill this morning at the gym and I was thinking about that. I was like, if I would have stopped doing this because of the backlash that I was afraid to get or because I was afraid of what a few people may say about it. People, mind you, that have no influence over my life, people that um, have never been there to support me but have only been there to, to hate on me. So their opinion of me really shouldn't matter. And I thought about that. I was like, how many people hold themselves back in life because of that? And the answer is a lot. There are a lot of people out there that are afraid to go through and do what they want to do in life because of the opinion of a bunch of other people who are afraid to do what they truly want to do. See, that's the problem. People's fears make them create fear for other people. And it's an insecurity thing. I'm going to hold myself back. And I know I've held myself back my entire life, so I want to hold you back too to make me feel better. It's that whole... Uh, insecure thing when you hear people talk bad about other people to build themselves up is because they feel like shit about themselves. And I just want to encourage you to 
always pursue your dreams. I don't want to get into this back patent ceremony or anything like that, but I did want to say that I'm proud to announce that this thing's going international now. And it's not because of me. It's because of you all. I was just, I just said, fuck it. And I got tired of, of hearing people, you know, talk shit about it. And I was like, I'm going to do it regardless. And I don't care what people think. There was a, I don't know if I've talked about this on a openly on an episode, but there was a, there was an incident and I was at a, uh, I was in Indianapolis and this was last August because I don't, I don't get into drama and that's not what I'm trying to stir up here, but I was in Indianapolis and I was working, I was doing a, a sold out comedy event for the firefighter cancer support network. And somebody that was involved with helping the show came up to me and was saying, Hey, there's a group of firefighters over there. And they said this, 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 and this about you and me. I'm not a guy that like hangs my head and buries my head in the sand kind of guy. I was actually going to confront him and let him know what pussies I thought they were because just prior to them saying that I was standing there talking to them and they were all buddy, buddy with me. And as I started walking off, my friend, Randy, who you all know about stops me and he grabs me because he knows me, he knows what I was going to do and say, he says, dude, they're not worth your fucking time. And I thought about that and I said, you know what? And I looked him in the face and I go, you're right. I said, they're not. I said, because they're clearly, clearly just trying to suck any wind out of my sail. And I said, fuck them. And I blew breath back into my own sail and I sailed away. And as lame as that may sound, that's what you got to do sometimes. And I realized the more that I do this, you got to continue on the path and worry about doing what you want to do because of the good in your heart that you feel like you're doing or the passion that you may have and don't worry about everybody else around you focus on you focus on what you're passionate about and do the things in life that you want to do i hope that didn't get too long-winded but boom here we are where have we arrived i just love seeing people encouraging other people and i, I i'm all about that so I'm wishing you all nothing but encouragement and doing everything you want to do in life. I want to talk about law enforcement. I don't want to talk about our brothers and sisters in blue for a little bit. I had a, I had a, uh, I had a police officer reach out to me last night and tell me about an incident that he was on. And this was years ago. And he just, he finally opened up and he says, I don't know why I'm telling you this. And I don't know this guy. I never met him. He just came at me through my uh, social media page. And he said, I've never told anybody this. And I don't know why I'm telling you, but I need to get it off my chest. And you can tell that it was a weight off of this guy's chest. And I know exactly why he's never said anything. And it's because of this. We in the fire department, you see, we're not held to the same standard as law enforcement when it comes to mental health. And what I mean, what I mean by that is we in the fire service, we have the luxury of being able to be more open about it now, right? The thing that we fear the most is just judgment from our peers is judgment from the other tough guys, the other smoke eaters, the other, the other people that we think are superheroes in our business judging us for being weak. Okay. 
but I, as a firefighter, I could walk into the job and say, Hey, I'm having, I'm having problems processing some things. And I've been having some issues and I have uh, problems with alcohol and I've been having suicidal thoughts and I've, I've been abusing my family verbally and sometimes physically and all this. And you know what happens to the firefighter in that incident? In that, in that instance, not much. We still get to stay on the job. We still, um, we get to go get evaluated and maybe after that evaluation, we get to decompress, we get some time off or whatever. What about the law enforcement officer? A law enforcement officer cannot walk in. And I'm telling you this because I work with emergency responders all over the country and I, and I hear it and I see it. There are dudes that are on the job right now in the fire service that everybody knows is not well. And they're sitting in fire stations right now. They're jumping on rigs right now, going to calls right now. And their entire crew knows they're not well. But it is what it is. Now, let's look at that on the law enforcement side. If a law enforcement officer walks into a squad room, sits down in front of his squad and says, Hey, look, uh, I'm abusing alcohol. I'm abusive towards my family. I've been having suicidal thoughts. Just yesterday, I had a gun in my mouth. Uh, and I wanted to end my life and, um, I don't know what to do. Do you think they're going to let that motherfucker walk out and get in that squad car and go to work? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because everything that happens next is on that supervisor's shoulders or, or on that supervisor's plate. Let that police officer come in and say that go at that officer, go out in the street get into a shooting, get into um, a use of force situation, and the rest of the squad speaks up and says, hey, that guy was just telling us how he was having all these thoughts and all these problems, and uh, he was just just sent out there to work. It won't happen. Those supervisors would end that right then. That officer would probably be stripped right then of not saying they would be fired, but they would be stripped of that gun and badge and put behind a desk or sent home and not allowed to work until they were really, really cleared uh, psychologically. Not just, hey, just go for some bullshit shit psych exam and come back in two shifts. They'd have to prove that they were able to come back to work. Look at our law enforcement officers out there that when they get hired, what's one of the main things during the hiring process? A psychological exam, right? You fail that psych exam, what do you think happens? You don't get hired. Here's what I think is going on in law enforcement, all right? And I've had my, my, my law enforcement friends reach out to me and say this. They're like, look, the administration doesn't want to know the truth. They can't know the truth because if they knew the truth, there'd be no cops in the street. They'd have to send everybody home. A majority of them would have to be sent home. And what do you think would happen to an administration if they knew all these cops, if they had proof positive documentation or documented incidents that these police officers psychologically were not well and they went out and they had abusive force issues or they got into these shootings that were questionable that could all be turned around on the administration in the cities so it's almost like ignorance is bliss and i tell people all the time i'm not bashing administrations and law enforcement that's not what i'm doing at all i'm trying to look through it Look at it with a common sense lens, all right? Firefighters, when they're going on emergency scenes, they're not going out there usually getting in gunfights. And they're not grabbing innocent people that could be dangerous and pulling them out of cars and patting them down for drugs and stuff like that. That's what the police do. If 
firefighters, we're going on emergency scenes, and maybe we don't make the best judgment calls and all that, but we're not out there doing use of force reports like the police are. So what I'm getting at is this. Do you think, to an extent, the reason why law enforcement officers are not getting the help they need is, one, fear of repercussions of losing their job. It's not even fear of judgment. It's fear of not being able to do the job that they have been doing, and many of them have been on the job so long that they're in fear of if they get stripped from that, what happens to the last 15 years of their service? They can't just, you fuck around and have to leave a job, a, fi- a police department job because of psychological issues. Do you think, you think agencies are going to line up to hire you after that? Absolutely not. You are now a liability. You're no longer an asset. So to ma- to maintain yourself as an asset in law enforcement, you have to stuff it all in. You have to hide it. You have to pretend that you can carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. And that's what I always tell people in this job. If you're not well, this brings me back to this police officer that reached out to me last night, 18 years on the job. He didn't know what to do. He said, I can't take it anymore, but I don't have a choice. And that right there set me off. I was like, motherfucker, you do have a choice. You do. What is more important, that gun and that badge and your job or your life, your family's life? And when I teach post-traumatic purpose, I try to tell these, these ladies and gentlemen, you are more than this profession. I get it. It's fun. It is great. Sometimes. Sometimes it sucks. But you're so much more than just a police officer. You're so much more than just a firefighter. And that that's why that second book, that's why I was telling you about the second book that I'm writing. I'm going to talk about all of that stuff. And think about all the skills that you have learned over the years that you can utilize and turn into something more. See, the, the problem is we get such tunnel vision with what we do. We It's hard to see outside of that. And so we put ourselves in a box and we really severely limit ourselves. And I look back on my career and people were like, man, you couldn't keep a job. You were a Marine, you were a police officer. And I'm like, well, you can think that if you want. They actually used to be, so when I would come to the stage when I was in comedy, the hosts would always say that. They're like, this guy was a United States Marine Corps veteran or is a Marine Corps veteran. He was a former police officer. He's a retired firefighter. He couldn't keep a fucking job. And the audience would go crazy, right? And I'd come up and they were laughing. And that's great. But I look back at my life and I'm like, you know what? I'm glad it worked out the way it did. And I'm glad I didn't force it because I have chapters about my life. It's not just one thing. And that allowed me to grow as a human being. I may not do this podcast another fucking five minutes because I may grow into something else. I'm always encouraging growth. So please don't limit yourself because of the badge you wear on your chest or the, or the career that you do or um, because you've, you've never experienced certain things so you don't think that, that it's within reach because you don't have any experience. Um, I say that because I, and I've said this on other podcast, man, I graduated 198th out of a class of 200 on paper. I was just meant to, to stay home in the town that I grew up in and do what everybody else was doing, work in a store, work in a restaurant. But I chose to get the fuck away from that place because I needed growth. I wanted growth and it allowed me to go out and grow. And I'm going to encourage my kids to do that too. When they're, when they're 18, you know, when they're, when they're ready to leave, I'm going to send them out into the world, go grow. 
So don't do that in your career. Don't shrink and think that this is all I can do. I hope you understand just how powerful the human mind is and how we as humans, when we set our fucking mind to something, we want to become something, we want to do something, we can do it every single time. The The question is, how long can you handle adversity? That's all it is. That's all it is, is how long can you, or, or how many times I should say, can you get rejected before you give up? And I can look back in comedy and I got a fucking funny story here. This just happened. <laughs> I can't, this shit was so funny, but I, I gotta, I gotta tell this story because I don't, and, and it, y'all know me, I'm not an arrogant person by any means, but I gotta tell this cause this is fucking hilarious. I always talk about establishing your value and that doesn't necessarily mean a monetary value. That could mean your stance on certain things or whatever. When you're in comedy, in comedy, they pay you dog shit and you're in pretty much it's a dog shit fucking business. All right. Until you can get away from doing the comedy clubs and you can do the more private stuff. And then when you get the private stuff, you find out real quick, man, I was underselling myself for fucking long time doing comedy clubs. I got a, I got a email yesterday from a booker that I haven't heard from in a long time, a long time. And the email was just, Hey, I know you don't do one nighters anymore. All right. And one nighters was just is, is is slang for doing a one night show in some city in some town. And he goes, but I got a one nighter if you're interested for $300 and a hotel. And I was like, Ooh, please $300 to drive halfway across the country and a hotel comes with it. That was the, that was the big fucking bonus. Fuck that. Where I'm going to tell you years ago when I was first in comedy, I would have sucked your dick to get that, to get that gig. I'm dead serious. Or maybe I've gotten close, but there, when you are in comedy, people are so hungry. They will drive across the country for that, just for the opportunity to do that. Here's the, here's the difference. All right. How long are you going to do that before you realize you're more valuable than that? And that's what I'm getting at. I realized it and got away from that. And I started to grow as a comedian. And when I did, when I started telling people, no, I started saying, no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing, I'm, I will do it for this. And then in turn, they started telling me, no, like who the fuck are you to call the shots? Well, you know what? I'm my own boss. And I, I actually, for a while there, I did get less work and I started, I started contemplating, man, am I shooting myself in the foot? Do I really need to go and do all of these shitty gigs and drive around the country just to come back after a week on the road with maybe six or $700 in my pocket after gas? And I held, I stayed true to who I was. I was like, no, because I did that long enough to know I'm better than that. And so are you. How long are you going to go through life letting people tell you what you're worth? How long are you going to go through life letting people treat you like you're less than what you're really worth? And you're, you're going to be worth whatever you believe you're worth. And that, I'm, that, there is no truer statement. You know, I got a lot of friends that I've had conversations with over the years and they feel stuck. And I, I, there's no easy way to say it, but you're not stuck. You're not, you can get out of that rut. 
The problem is most people will stay in a secure rut versus taking an unsecure future. And that's the only difference. You know how hard it is for people to just walk away from something that's so secure? It's terrifying. And they'd rather deal with the terror of a, of a, a secure terror than a potentially unsecured, unknown, bright future. How many people... How many people do you know are in relationships like that? They're in just a dog shit relationship. Put put your fucking hands down. I know some people are raising their hands on this one. <laughs> people will stay in a dog shit relationship just because it's familiar. And it just blows my mind. I didn't mean to go on a tangent, but when, when this police officer reached out to me last night, I just I wanted to, to, to look him in the eye and just be like, dude. Sit down and look at everything you've accomplished in your life and walk away from the thing that you're not happy with right now while you still have time and go create a life for yourself and create a better life for your family. I get it. We want to rely on that retirement, but you know what, what happens at the end of this retirement? I told my, you know what? I'm not even going to get into the specifics of this. I know somebody that's in a, in a profession and they got 11 more years to go or no 14, they 14 more years ago. And they were like, I got to stay for the retirement and the benefits. And I sat there and I was like, fuck that. Because I know what that retirement package looks like. I know what that benefit package looks like, but I also know what a human being can accomplish in 14 years. If they're not held down by somebody else, you can accomplish more. In the next 14 years, you could quadruple and quintuple your current income in the next 14 years, which will allow you to have a better retirement package in 14 years if you invest properly, which will allow you to have a better lifestyle. But they don't choose it that way. They choose to go to safe, secure route every fucking time. And it just sickens me. Because I know the potential of human beings and I know what you can accomplish even when you feel like the deck is stacked against you. Even when you don't think you know how to do something. That's the beauty of the, the, the human mind. We can learn. And we can become so powerful. I rem- Man, I didn't want to learn shit in high school. Nothing. I'll tell you like this. I didn't take English three, two, three, or four. Or four, I did what they called communications in the workplace. They were so certain I wasn't going to amount to shit. They said, don't even put this kid through fucking English two, three, and four. And you can probably tell by the way that I speak that I didn't go to those classes. All right. But I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks. I went to the lowest basic math that a a human being can go through in college or um, high school and graduate. I didn't even take pre-algebra. I took basic math. I didn't have... Um, I didn't take foreign language. I got out of school without foreign language. I was, I was someone who just slipped through the cracks. All right. And that allowed my mind to think that that's all that I was capable of. And I knew that I knew that I graduated high school without a real proper education. And I knew that people looked at me as just a dumb kid, but I didn't care. I just wanted to be a Marine at the time. I didn't apply myself. It wasn't that I was dumb. It's that I did not apply myself. Well, you know what I did later in life? I fucking applied myself. 
and I'm not what paper says I should be. Do I speak the king, king's English? No. Do I know where to put a comma in every sentence that I write? Fuck no. I know to put them in natural pauses. And the way that I write, you would think with the commas that I throw in there, I'm a comma-heavy person because I think it should go here and there and there. You'd think I was out of breath as much as I pause. If you were like, is this motherfucker out of breath while he's writing? I don't care about that. I don't care about your impressive education because it doesn't mean anything to me. Who are you as a person, right? If I can go through all of that and and then then some and have the deck stacked against me and still come out and do very well for for a young man that came from where I came from, <laughs> you can too. I promise you. Nothing was ever handed to me. You don't have to wait around for anybody to hand you anything. And that's why my book, Create Your Own Light, that's what that's about. Stop waiting for the hand up. Stop waiting for the fucking hand out and go get it. Go get what you deserve. Even if all you're looking for is happiness, you get to create that. That happiness doesn't lie in finances. I've seen very happy, poor people, and I've seen very miserable, broke people. Okay? I've seen both. I've sat with both. I've been in company of both. So it's not money. Can money help you? Yes. I've been at both ends of that too. There was this guy, I can't remember the saying, but it says, I've been broke and I've been rich. I don't want to be broke again. (laughs) That's hard. But think about the choices we make. I, I don't want to get into finances, but... I'm gonna have all kinds of shit in this new book. That's that's why I think that's why I'm on my soapbox this morning. It's the little things that get you in finances. It's the little things. Everybody budgets for big things. We budget for boats. We budget for cars. We budget for houses. We budget for phones and insurance. Do you budget for that five dollar cup of coffee every week? That's fucking twenty five dollars a week. That's a hundred dollars a month. That's twelve hundred dollars a year. No, most people don't think about that. Most people don't budget for the extra $20, $30 every grocery trip that they end up spending. They say, all right, we're going to do $100, $200 a week, but they don't budget for the extra $30 a week that builds up $30, $60, $90, $110, $20. See how I got to do math? I got to sound it out. $120 a month plus that extra $100 a month in coffee. So now you're $220 negative a month, and you don't even know why because you're spending it frivolously on dumb shit. It's called micro-spending. Get my buddy Randy back on. We'll talk about that. We're just two dumbass dudes. I'm telling you right now. But uh, Randy did a, a video on his social media yesterday because he won't. Randy's a very humble dude, and but he's done very, very well for himself. And I'm proud of him because I know how hard he's worked. And I've got to witness it. And I got to watch it. I had front row seats to it. And he, he put a story up yesterday. I'm not going to talk about what it was about, but it was Steve Harvey pretty much um, the comedian Steve Harvey talking about a woman who was asking him if he had a college degree. And uh, Steve Harvey was like, no, I don't have a college degree. And this is when he was younger. And the woman looked at him and said, how are you ever going to make anything of yourself without a college degree? And Steve Harvey goes, ta-da, which he fast forwarded, you know, all those years. And like, you don't need it. You All you got to do is believe in yourself. Sky's the limit. This whole episode is about encouragement, I suppose. It's about believing that you're capable 
than more than what you're doing. Um, I never thought I would record a comedy album. And when I did, I don't like it. I never, I, looking back on it, I didn't, I never liked it. Um, but it came out and it hit the top 10 in top 100 comedy albums. And I was blown away by that. I didn't think that I was capable of doing that, but I worked really hard on something and it gave it my best at the time. And now when I listen to those jokes, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> um, that's why I don't listen to my own shit. I was walking out of a parking lot yesterday and I didn't have, I didn't have anything in my right hand. And I realized I'm still trained as a law enforcement officer. Anytime I carry something that's in my left hand, do you law enforcement officers do this? You, even when you're off duty, my weapon hand, which is my right hand is always free. It is always, always free. So I carry my keys in my left hand. And when I'm walking out to my car, if I see a potential threat coming, because I don't, if I don't have my weapon on me, you know what I do with my keys? I move my keys to my right hand. All right. And I hold the longest, sharpest key I can tightly between my index finger and my thumb. And I hold it like a small knife. So in the event somebody did come up to get me, I could grab them with my left and stick them with my right, with my key and maybe shove it in their jugular. Is that crazy? I don't think it is. I bet you there's a lot of people out there nodding their head right now. And that my friends is hypervigilance. <laughs> if we we've talked about hypervigilance on how many episodes, so I got I got to throw some some mental health stuff in there and some some hypervigilance and you know the normal shit we talk about. I was in a uh, when I was in the Marine Corps. Do you think this this isn't gonna make any sense to anybody? But I remember one of the first days that I was actually assigned in my unit. There was a sergeant who was getting out, and he made all of us new guys, which were called boots at the time. He made all of us come down, and it was um, I want to say it was in like February or something like that. And he made us get in the back of a U-Haul truck. And you would think he was starting his own human smuggling ring, right? So we all, we didn't even hesitate. Sergeant said, do it. So we did. There's like 30 of us in the back of this. And he looked at us before he shut the door. And he goes, y'all can't say a fucking word until we get back here. He goes, I can't hear a sound out of any of you. Or we're all going to pay. Do you understand? We were like, okay, Sergeant, whatever you need. So we sat there quiet as a mouse and this guy shuts the u-haul door and locks it right key and fucking lock we are locked into the back of this u-haul there's no way to get out of this bitch i'm sitting here thinking is this motherfucker lost his mind is he about to take us to the river and drive us in the river and smoke and like kill us has he like did something happen to him let me tell you what this motherfucker did he was getting out of the marine corps and i don't know what it was called back then but the Marine Corps, if you were getting out, they would pay you for the weight of your travel if you had to travel with all your belongings. So what he did is he put 30, 150 to 200 pound Marines in the back of this thing, drives onto this scale on base. They never came and opened it up. They took the weight of this thing. He recorded that weight and he got a check for however many fucking thousands of pounds was in the back of that thing. And he was a single sergeant and all he had when we got out he went upstairs grabbed his tv and he put it in the back and i think that's what he what he drove cross country with how gangster is that that my friends is 
using your entrepreneurial mindset. I guess that's how we spin all that back into this. You know, I've been thinking as I, as I want to sit down and I want to write this book, but first, the first instinct I have is to hurry up and rush and get it done and get it out there because when I get excited about something, I, I got to finish it now, like now, 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 now. And then I never get to, to just stop and enjoy the process. And so I'm trying to adapt or adopt this new mindset of rushing slowly, right? Rush to do something, but absorb it. Soak it all in. Don't rush through it to just cross the finish line rather than rushing into it with everything I have and then just enjoying the shit out of it because man we get into this every episode how precious time is and I'm, as I'm watching my girls grow I keep getting these these memories on my phone and I look back and I'm like that was yesterday and I had no gray in my beard and it felt like just yesterday and then I look and they're already eight you know, and six and I'm like, I'm getting old and I got these crow's feet and my titties are sagging and I'm sitting longer to pee at night. And I got, you know, my fucking, like I told y'all a long time ago, my balls drip into water when I go to pee and I got to J hook them and hold them up. And it's just, I don't have a, I don't have a powerful stream anymore. And, and, and I get, I get pee envy if I'm at a urinal in a, in a commercial setting and young person comes up next to me and pees and it sounds like they got a goddamn fire hose and mine they're just sitting there. I'm doing everything I can to just not make it sound like I'm TTing, like, 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 like PPing, like, cause that's what I do now. Grown men piss, and then like elderly dudes like me and little little babies, we PP, and that's what it sounds like I'm doing over there. Um, what I'm getting at is just enjoy it, man. Um, I think I found, I think I found a way. To slow time down. And the only way that I found that is to really be in the moment and enjoy the moment. Because what I found is when I'm doing stuff, even with my kids, um, it always comes back to this. Because I'm learning so much from being a father. It is crazy how much I'm learning. Even if they want me to teach them something, I'm trying to hurry up and teach it. Versus just take my time and teach it. And I can make that moment last longer. And I think if we're able to make moments last longer. You can slow time down. In a sense. So try to figure out a way to rush slowly. And that's what I would highly recommend. I'm working on that myself. So I don't want to rush this next book out. But I do want to get it out to you. But I'm going to rush slowly. And I'm going to enjoy the process. Thank y'all for the support. Um, I say it every episode. I hope it doesn't fall in deaf ears at how much y'all y'all mean to me and the support that y'all continuously give to me means. Um, again, thank you. And uh, oh, big news coming out of Prince William County, Virginia. Um, we just booked Prince William County, Virginia Police Department for September the twenty first and the twenty second. Now, if you remember, I was in Prince William County with the fire department back in March and I did a two day session with fire department and emergency services. There were some police there. There were dispatchers and, and spouses there, but now I'm doing the entire uh, police department down there, which is cool. And that's going to be right after I, I do the DC fire department in September. So, um, got more dates on the horizon. Keep checking my website at travishouse.com because dates are just piling up right now. 
and I can't keep up with them. I'm actually have so much going on that I'm not flying to a lot of cities. I'm having to drive because they're, they're, you know, just close enough, uh, to one another. Some of them to, it's just annoying to sit on a plane and have to deal with layovers and all that shit. Then I can just drive and, and be there a lot quicker. Um, that, and I carry a lot of merchandise with me, my books and my t-shirts and all that. So yeah, keep an eye out. This exciting stuff. This is, um, this is a turning into something, something really cool. And it's all because of y'all. Thank you so much. I love y'all.